When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week, episode 140. And uh, as someone, actually more than one person, was uh, smart enough to guess, Nightfalls in Middle-Earth, Nightfall in Middle-Earth by Blind Guardian. But before we get there, Chris, my friend, how are you? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm finally starting to feel like I'm back amongst the living after... uh... Getting full full blown lupine flu after the uh, werewolves of Armenia uh, sunk their teeth into my flesh. Uh, I, I don't really know if any of that actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, go to a concert with thousands of people, and you you might you might end up getting sick, especially in the winter time. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I uh, just as of. Uh, Today, I really, today was the first day I started to feel kind of back to normal. So, uh, we apologize for the, the, uh, the delay, um, should only end up being a couple of days though. So, well, I'll say this, um, thankfully, uh, you, you weren't too sick, wasn't COVID or anything like that, but, uh, I thought that Powerwolf show was phenomenal. I'm glad that we kind of will lead in there. Last we recorded was right before we went to see that show in New York city, their first show on the uh, North American little mini tour that they were doing, the place was rabid. I mean, the place was absolutely packed to the gills, well over 2,000 people. I have a little doubt they'll be back. And I don't know what, I mean, there aren't that many places that are going to hold that many people in a standing room only show. So kudos to them. They really, um, they put on a hell of a performance. And obviously we had talked about the set list the week before, but this I thought that their live show was just so much better than they are on the album. Um, I have a newfound appreciation for the band, and I'm so happy that I went to the show. It's probably the early front runner for show of the year for me because it was really just that good. And I, I, I don't know that I'll ever have one of their albums in my top ten for the year, but I will definitely go see them live again. That was a that was a hell of a show. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit too. Uh, I was. Um... Seeing you enjoy it kind of made it more enjoyable for me, but um, I had just an absolute great time. Um, just, it was just one of those, you know, just a great crowd, great energy. The band was had a great energy. Um, the 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 vocal performance was outstanding. Um, I thought Seven Kingdoms uh, did a great job opening. It was just a really fun night and i think i counted over 20 people that i knew uh that were at that show that i that i got to see that's not even counting people like uh carl who i unfortunately didn't even get to see even though he was there in his full his full regalia <laughs> if you will um but uh yeah i mean i uh just had the best time and then followed by uh 
another the following night just uh getting to see a whole bunch of uh friends yourself included and people from just all different uh <laughs> eras of my life all in one place it was quite the motley crew to say the least but um just a really amazing uh long weekend for me and and uh a little a little uh little cold was a small price to pay for a a really wonderful trip so um uh yeah that I'm so glad we did that that was very cool and uh next on the docket at least for me will be uh Halloween at uh, Terminal 5 in May it's it's funny i'm looking forward to that show obviously but as i looked at the calendar I missed two shows this past weekend just because the door, the tours are becoming like fast and furious um, without getting into too much detail. Um, Elevati played on Friday night um, with Omnium Gatherum and then the next night Obscura played and th- their tour came through. And uh, at the end of the show, we'll announce some new tour dates for, for some other bands that have announced tours. But I feel like every week there's a show now, which is kind of kind of insane uh in terms of tickets i have tickets to go see queensrike next month and then halloween the following month because i have to kind of pick and choose my spots i can't i can't be at all of these things but needless to say lots of good stuff coming out and the and the music is coming out fast and furiously too um i want to just mention one or two albums that i kind of heard this week that really kind of struck a chord with me the first i I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to the new haken album fauna but it is a word we use all a lot, a lot, I guess, dense. It is a very dense album, but it was a very enjoyable album, and the production was absolutely fantastic. It was just a very sonically pleasing album. Uh, I'm going to spend more time with it because I have a feeling that, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to make the end of the year list, but it's certainly a very, very good a good album, and I, I, I want to give it its due, uh, its due time. Yeah, I've listened to it twice now, and um, like you said, dense is the word. Uh, I've been, I have enjoyed it, but it hasn't grabbed me yet, but I think that an album like that, it's going to take a few more listens. So I plan on listening to it a few more times, but, uh, I agree with everything you said. It's, it's really good. I've been listening to that and the, uh, the new Galnarius album also, uh, came out last week. Um, I've been listening to that one as well. Uh, the album is called Between Dread and Valor. Um, just pretty much what you'd expect. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's fairly short. I think it's around 42 minutes. Um, but just, uh, just that great Japanese power metal. The only thing that kind of makes me prefer love bites to Galnarius is the fact that, uh, Galnarius sings like 98% in Japanese. So you kind of lose a little bit of something in translation, so to speak. Um, but I mean, the music is, is really um, energetic and 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 just really, it's just really good stuff. So, um, looking forward uh, to listening to that a bit more as well as the Haken, like you mentioned. Um, the you know, speaking of Powerwolf, they have a new single uh, that which is going to be on their Interludium album, which I think we've mentioned before, which is going to be kind of like a compilation of. Um, you know, rare tracks along with, I, th- I think about six new songs. And one of the new songs is this song called no prayer at midnight. And I got to tell you, this song is a freaking earworm. Um, it's a little bit different. I know we talked a lot about like Powerwolf kind of having a signature sound. I feel like this kind of has a, a little bit more of a unique sound. And I think that makes it stand out. I like this song a lot. Um, it's actually the last song on 
one of my uh, newest playlists that I just posted on Spotify uh, just yesterday, actually. Um, I just think it's a, a fantastic song. And uh, I, I, being that we haven't recorded in a, in a little bit, I can't remember which songs I mentioned last time. So I think I'm just going to uh, – I think I'm just going to call it a day there. Um, I, I will mention one other track uh, because I'm pretty sure I didn't mention this last time. But um, Redemption released another single from their upcoming album, I Am The Storm. Uh, the song's called Remember The Dawn. Have you had a chance to hear this? I think this song is fantastic. I have not heard any of the Redemption songs. And I think what happened was I think I missed the first one. And then I just said, you know what? I didn't hear the first single. I'll just play the album when it comes out. So I've not heard it. But those that's big praise because I know you're not like the biggest Redemption fan. I think you appreciate them. But I wouldn't say that you're an ardent fan. And I know that you're not like the biggest you know, Tom England fan. So this, this, that's the, the high praise from you. High praise. I, I feel like at least on this song, I feel like he, um, is channeling his, uh, his inner Ray Alder a little bit. Um, mm. cause it reminded me a bit of like the earlier redemption with, uh, Ray on vocals, but, uh, I just think it's a really solid track. I liked it a lot. So, um, yeah, anything else? I, I'm pretty sure, um, uh, we did we mention the new Firewind single "Destiny Is Calling" because that's another really good. No, tune. no, I I actually haven't heard that either. Um, but I I, I you kind of know what you get from those guys. Like yeah, that, that's which... a that's a really good tune as well. Um, just uh, really solid power metal. So um, yeah, I think those are just the. Uh, uh, now I'm looking at it, and you know what? I will mention one other band because um, I thought this was quite good. This this actually was a recommendation that came from Nops. Um. The band's called Mandroid Echo Star. They're uh, a prog metal band, and um, they have a song called Rosalia from uh, an album of the same name. Um, I kind of described it as like um, Coheed and Cambria, but with more balls. That's kind of how I yeah sound, I, think that's I heard good. it. I thought very it was very really, good stuff. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. So yeah, I, I agree. And I'll just throw out one more as well, um, just, just so I couldn't let you have all the fun. There's an Italian thrash band called Adverser, and they came out with an album called Portrait of a Wasteland. It's thrash, but it's not like your typical, uh, I don't know, Testament or Exodus, which is good, but it's 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 a little bit different. They they mix in a little bit of death metal, a little bit of black metal, and a little more of that classic heavy metal sound, like a Jag Panzer or something like that, and they kind of blend it all together with this thrash sound, and they put out a really, really good uh, album. Again, it's called Portrait of a Wasteland by Adverser. I'll post the track in the coming days, hopefully, just so that everyone can take a listen. But if you're a thrash fan, adverse or portrait of a wasteland. Um, you know I'm not going to let you get away with not mentioning Power Dong, right? I was hoping you wouldn't go there. Um, <laughs> that's why I didn't post it on the site and why I sent it to you privately. Go ahead. Do the honors. Well, I sent this I sent this band over to both Caleb and Nops, and they both got a, a kick out of it. Caleb loved it, which I'm not... At all surprised by, but um, it's man, like it's a goofy name. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. And the music video, I don't know if you noticed, the drummer was using dildos and not drumsticks. Um, <laughs> it's the Steel Panther of power metal. Let's call it for what it yeah, is. But yeah. at the same time, it's good. It's it was really good, and I couldn't believe it. So this band comes out with a self titled EP in 2022. Clearly, it was not on my radar. But then when I heard one of the tracks, I'm, I sent it to you. I'm like, I think you're really going to like this. 
kind of ignore the name because it's absolutely ridiculous. And it is ridiculous, but the music was good, and I was pleasantly surprised. And I think they're out of Norway. Um, I'm curious to hear that what their full length album will be when it finally uh, comes out. Oh, you said full length, and uh, we're talking about <laughs> Power Dong. So good for you. No, was... hey, listen, I we're, we're full of puns here, <laughs> but let's talk. Let's talk some Blind Guardian. I, I we kind of left it as a surprise for everyone. We had put uh, some hints in our Facebook group, uh, Metal Exchanges at Facebook. And um, a couple of people got it. A couple of people picked some really interesting things, and it kind of gave us food for thought. But we are going with the classic power metal album from 1998. Obviously, it came out April 28th of that year. Um, I remember getting this album in either late 98 or early 99. It was, I guess, I think Century Media had distributed it in the U.S., and I actually remember buying this album at Tower Records Oh, Tower Records. So now going back almost 25 years. Um, but what I remember most was that like I picked it up and I didn't buy it probably about three or four visits to the store. And eventually I just caved in. I'm like, I have to hear what this sounds like because I had never heard a note from this band. And this was really my first exposure to Blind Guardian. But I, I knew the name just because of you know the the affinity we had for Halloween and, and the comparison, the German comparisons there. Um, did you get it the same way or had you heard of them prior prior to picking up this album? Uh, I, this was my first Blind Guardian album as well. Um, and I think I also bought it in a store because it, it comes, I, I came to, to realize um, that this was the first Blind Guardian album to come out in the U.S. And their back catalog would come, would be released after this. But this was... Um, this was their first album to come out in the U.S., and um, so this was the first album I ever saw sitting in the racks going to the CD store. So I think I bought it on a whim. I can't remember if somebody I asked somebody to buy it for me or or what, but um, I remember listening to it the, listening to it for the first time and it being. Um, a little bit jarring. Like I, you know, I, I had heard Hansi's voice a little bit on like guest spots with Gamma Ray and Ed guy. Um, so it wasn't a, it, it didn't blow me away immediately, but the more I listened to it, um, a couple of songs in particular really um, stood out. But then as years went by, like this album just would be uh, something I would just go back to and just, and now this is probably the first time I've listened to a full, you know, full all the way through in, in years. And I'm just like, damn, like this album is so epic. There's so many great songs on it, but then when you intersperse all of these little like segues and, and things that kind of build the, the story, um, you really realize like they, they fit a lot into a one disc album. Like this, this could have easily, it have been expanded into a double disc, like big, you know, big to do, you know, kind of like, I think of like what streets could have been if, if sabotage had their way or keeper of the seven keys as a two disc set. Like this is a lot of Epic that they managed to fit into like a, a short amount of time. It feels it's, it's long in the sense that it has so many tracks because there's a lot of interludes and spoken word sections and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's kind of a quick listen for an album that clocks in at over 65 minutes. Like I never, or at least this this time listening to it, I never felt like, 
oh, I can't believe this album is still going on. Like it just moves because I think the pacing is so unique because you'll have a song, you'll have a 30 second interlude, you'll have another song, maybe you'll have two interludes and then another song or whatever the case may be. And it just, it flows very nicely. Um, but I do have some thoughts that are a little different than when I first heard the album, but I, much like yourself, I remember thinking at the time, like, damn, these vocals are not Michael Kisk, right? Like this was very, very jarring to me. And at the time I didn't like growls. Obviously that, that would I'd do a complete 180 on that. Um, but like at the time the harshness of the vocals, I didn't appreciate, but I, I grew to like it almost like a, an appreciation for like a fine line or something like that. And then now I, I absolutely love it. And then he's actually one of my favorite vocalists to hear live because he's, he can reproduce the sound, which is like almost incredible. And he's obviously got a very, very unique style, Hanzi. Um, but just to kind of roll through the lineup here. I didn't realize that um, Oliver Hallsworth does the bass on this album. Uh, Matthias Weisner on keyboards. And I have to say, he does a phenomenal job with the keyboards and the orchestration on this album. Um, just a, kind of two of the guests that are on here. And then obviously the band, you know, the, it's Hansi Kirsch, it's Andre Ulbrich, Marcus Sepian, and Thomas Stouch on drums. It's the classic Blind Guardian lineup. But I do, I, I, I thought we'd be remiss not to mention Hallsworth and Weisner just because they play such a prominent role on this thing. Yeah. Um, like just some real big, heavy hitting names in the power metal world, especially the German power metal world. Um, yeah. 22 tracks in, in total. Um, for years I, I had only copied the, the full length songs onto my iTunes library huh. and left all the other stuff. I, I considered it like filler because I went through kind of a period where I would just listen to stuff uh, shuffled all the time. And so, like, the last thing I wanted to do was hear, like, the 28-second, you know, random thing from, you know, Nightfall Middle Earth while I was shuffling music or whatever. So I just kind of left them all off. And then I forgot, I don't know at what point I put it all back on there just to be um, a completist, I guess. But when you listen to the album start to finish, it's actually... Um, I feel like it's useful to have those parts in between to kind of tie everything together. It is. And to be honest, it's only really 11 real song, full length songs, which is like, again, very manageable. But I, I think it's charming that the, the way they do this. Um, and I guess with that, let's let's get into it. Uh, if you are a fan of Tolkien, this is the album for you. It's It's based on his book, The Silmarillion, which I have not read, although I have read a number of his works. In retrospect, I probably should go back and read that, um, although I'm not like the largest fan, but I, I, I would definitely appreciate reading this. But so, that's... so just uh just uh straighten this out for me. So this takes place in the Lord of the Rings universe, but is not a Lord of the Rings book. That's my understanding. If we are wrong, please add us and let us know, but be gentle. But that is my understanding. Um same universe. But yeah, I didn't, no I didn't realize that he had other books that were that took place in the Middle Earth realm that yeah. weren't Lord of the Rings proper or or the Hobbit or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I'm not uh, I'm not the biggest fantasy reader, so like I, um, you know, the, whatever information anybody yeah, can give me is appreciated. It's like, from my understanding, it's like the first age of Middle Earth, and it's supposed to recount the War of the Jewels, which again, I. I 
can't speak much more as to that, but that is my understanding. And all the lyrics on this album, including the spoken word parts, are written by Hanzi. So that should give you an idea as to kind of what the driving force was. I would love to have a conversation about uh, all things Tolkien with him, but uh, we'll have to do that another day. Um, and then obviously the music itself was written by Andre and Hanzi for, for the most part um, with some other, tr- you know, some credits to some of the other guys on, on a pair of tracks. But that's pretty much what it is. And and the way this album starts is kind of iconic because they actually still open their live shows, uh, not so much with War of the Wrath, although sometimes they'll use that, but often the first proper track into the storm is still used by them often as their first live track. Um, and it is a phenomenal, phenomenal tune, in my opinion. I don't think it's the best song on the album, but this is the kind of song that really, I think, sets the stage for what this album is and what it would become. Um, the War of the Wrath is really just that. It's kind of like the battle beginning, uh, where you hear like the steel on the steel and the swords and the screamings, the screaming in battle. And then all of a sudden, this classic power metal tune, um, not their heaviest tune, but so catchy with this big bombastic chorus. Um, I, I think there's, I think there's a real good reason why they open a lot of shows with it. And, and quite frankly, um, like you had mentioned, as a first Blind Guardian tune that I ever really heard, it took me a while to warm up to it. But now I just, I really like it. Again, not my favorite, but a, a very good opening song. Yeah, it, it. I remember the first time I heard, it, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like this is a. Uh like more than I think I had bargained for. I was like, is this too heavy for me? Like, you know, I, I hadn't really got into some more of this like heavier kind of power metal, but um, it, it wore off fast. And, and uh, it, I still, when I hear it, it just, it, it triggers that thing in my brain of like the first time hearing blind guardian. It's, it's so odd to me. Um, That's just what I think of. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, to, to kind of go through, um, thanks to the Wikipedia, um, the events of the story, uh, as we go along just to kind of, cause if there's anybody out there who's actually read the book, it might actually be kind of helpful to hear what, what the music is, is kind of, uh, representing, um, war of wrath is this intro track, as you mentioned, and, and this Sauron is advising his master Morgoth to, f- uh, flee the triumphant valor in the war of wrath. Uh, Morgoth sends him away and reflects on the events leading up to his defeat and then in, into the storm. Morgoth and uh, Ungoliant, I believe it is, fleeing from right. Valinor uh, after having destroyed the two trees, struggle for the possession of the Sil- Silmer- Silmaris. Oh, man. I, I, I think I maybe bit off more than I could chew here. Um, I'll help you out. Um, after Into the Storm ends, it goes into, like I guess, what I call like the first not introduction, but interlude track, and that's Lamnoth. And apparently this is Morgoth's scream of fear and how he summons the Balrogs to aid in his fight uh, off the Ungoliant. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm not going to – I don't have much to say about some of these interludes. They are short, often spoken word tracks. Um, what it leads into, though, is the first song that grabbed me from this band. And And I'll say this. I thought it would be a song that would pl- get played out after a while. Uh, that did not happen. And that's the song, Nightfall Proper. This is an all-time classic song. If you know the band, you know this song. If you've never heard the band, stop listening to the podcast. 
Go play Nightfall. It's not my song of the week, but it is definitely worth hearing. Um, this is a beautiful tune, and it kind of starts off like this ballad, almost like a power ballad, but it with this acoustic guitar during the first verse, and then it really just picks up steam. A monster chorus, and I think that it's one of the best live tunes in their set, and they play it every time you see them. Uh, and, and I just love, I think more than anything, this whimsical bridge, like two-thirds of the way through the song and it just gives way to this powerful powerful second bridge later on ironically enough because this song is kind of all over the place kind of proggy in nature um just absolutely awesome and that second bridge how it just goes right into the chorus absolutely beautiful and and one of the highlights on the album if i'm being honest yeah i don't really know how to (laughs) say much beyond that i was really uh well put um it's one of my favorite songs on the album it's one of my favorite blind guardian songs uh i agree wholeheartedly it is a absolute highlight of seeing the band live um really great song um kind of again gives me a nostalgic kind of feel for like the late 90s um so yeah this is this is a really good tune um i I'm still kind of struggling as to what I want to make the song of the week. There are so many really, there's so many songs I really, really like from this, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, keep it moving here, but this is a good one. Um, in the storyline, um, Theonor and his seven sons mourn the destruction wrought by Morgoth, including the slaying of Finway, uh, which is Theonor's father. And they swear to get revenge on him in spite of the Valar's, disapproval um so yeah uh this is uh just a really killer song um it's 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 kind of amazing to think that like the first two full-length songs are so like just strong right off the bat um but yeah uh i think you really just uh took the words out of everybody's mouth with your description so well done Thank you, thank you. Um, we get into the next interlude, which is called The Minstrel, and it's probably about Maglor, the son of Feanor, um, who composes the song um, The Fall of Noldor based on the king slaying. Um, what I'll say about this is it kind of reminds me of like a bard playing an acoustic guitar interlude type of thing, and then it goes into the curse of Feanor. What does this song know about bards? Yeah, I mean... I mean <laughs> or, I'm sorry, what does this band know about bards? Sorry. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> more than i ever will for sure they 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 but they go into this bard like thing and then they go into the curse of feanor which is where feanor expresses his wrath and anger and relates the misdeeds he commits especially the kinslaying in pursuit of morgoth that aside talk to me about this track what are your thoughts on it because um i've kind of changed my tune on this one quite a bit um this is kind of like that blind guardian has I I feel like I'm kind of repeating myself because I say this about a lot of bands that we talk about, but um, this is, I think one of those, um, one of those like mid tempo kind of blind guardian songs that um, I think it got kind of overshadowed by the mirror mirrors and the, you know, uh, time stands still at the iron hill type, you know, the real big numbers and nightfall. And so it kind of got forgotten about maybe, or just, didn't get the the attention that it deserved. This is a really cool tune. Um, maybe if not a bit understated, um, but uh, it, it's a good tune. Uh, just kind of a mid tempo song has a really cool chorus. Um, 
I think this is a really cool song. Um, I, 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 I think if I, you had played it for for me, I would say I remember the song really well, but I don't remember what the hell it's called. Like I wouldn't have even remembered the title of the song. Right, so, right, right. I think that might be maybe another song or two on this album that I felt similarly about. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like this song probably deserved uh, a little bit more recognition. I, I wonder if, um, did the band play this album in its entirety upon its release? Or So I was going to get to that, but let let me say a couple of things about The Curse of Feanor, and then um, I'll kind of get into what they did for this album. The Curse of Feanor was one of those tracks that I kind of overlooked as a kid. And, and I would even sometimes skip it to get to some of the tracks that you already mentioned. And I think it was a mistake that I truly regret. And I don't think this song gets its due justice. And what I love about it is the contrast throughout. It's pretty much mid-paced, but it's really surprisingly heavy. And the guitar work throughout um, is just incredible. And the drumming, he, I mean... The beating that the drum kit takes during this song is just nothing short of um, incredible. But I love the diversity to it because it's kind of all over the place. Um, but maintaining that core sound throughout, to me, this is a song that could have easily been on the Imaginations album, which is a little bit tighter than this album, I think, and a little bit, and you don't have the interludes throughout, so it's just a real kind of a heavy hitter this song belonged on that album but because it never got its just due i'm actually going to make it my song of the week i was so impressed by this song and it would have been so easy for me to choose a handful of other tracks that i i want to i want to give this its just due so let's Don't give worry, it a I'll, I'll take the easy way out so. <laughs> let's uh let's listen to the curse of feanor Before we, you know, took a listen to the Curse of Feanor, you would talk, you would asked about the uh, the live uh, setting and whether or not they'd ever played this entire thing live. And the short answer is no. Um, they have played quite a few tracks from this of the eleven proper tracks. I think they've probably played at least five or six of these live, but they never did the whole thing. And from what I understand, um, despite the demand being there. The band never felt that they could do this album justice. And so they just said, you know what? With all the orchestration and all the spoken word parts, they didn't feel that they could do the album it's due. They So they instead, they just play selections from it throughout, you know, basically every live show that you see. Interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, we saw them do uh, all of Imaginations, Um and I'm not. I'm not sure. Have they done any other of their albums in full, or is that just the only one they've done? 
I, I feel like they might have done the bulk of a night at the opera, but they didn't play the entire thing, but they may have played like 75% of it when I, on that tour, I remember seeing, but I don't think they, I don't know that they played full albums straight through. Although I feel like they probably would do it again, but I just don't think this will be the one unless they have a change of heart. Okay. And did you um, mention the storyline aspect of the song or? I did. So let's, we may as well move on to, uh, Captured, which is the next interlude. It's where Morgoth addresses the captive Maedros, Feanor's son, and chains him to the Thangadrum Mountains. Again, excuse the, uh, excuse the, uh, the pronunciation here, but it's another interlude. And then it goes into Blood Tears, which is where Maedros relates the horrors of his captivity and his deliverance by Fingon. Um, Blood Tears is another underrated song, in my opinion. I, I don't know that I love it as much as The Curse of Feanor, um, but it's uh, what's really cool is how it starts very folky, like a very, very folky guitar sound. And then I, after the first verse, which is kind of slow, it really picks up steam. And I think that one of the highlights here is that Hanzi kind of shows off his range and sings in a number of different ways on this particular track. Um, and then at about the 130 mark, this thing takes off like a rocket ship and it actually gets very thrashy, which is kind of cool. Um, and it's got that toe tapping beat to it, um, during the instrumental section. I like this song a lot. And it's another one that I kind of, I don't want to say overlooked, but it always played second fiddle to mirror mirror, which is the track that comes after it. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, I just really like, um, the, the beginning of the song, just how kind of, ch- it's just a very chill kind of song, like really almost ballady in ways. But then, like you said, it, it picks up and kind of thrashes out. And the one thing I love about Blind Guardian is that I find that their guitars are so uh, distinct. Like it, it's like their guitar sound has a tone that I think other bands don't really copy. and And it just really makes you feel like you know it's blind guardian right right away and and the, agree and, more. and the and like you mentioned before the drumming on this album is just so so strong like it's uh there's even just like a part towards the beginning of the song where it just it kind of has like that mid-tempo kind of drum kind of marching beat to it i mean just really fits the the track perfectly um uh, yeah i'm right there with you this is another song that i kind of didn't get the the love that it probably deserved and and probably because of what follows I would venture to guess and what and what follows mirror mirror on the wall uh, this song makes me think of Brian he loved the song when I remember that was like the his one takeaway from this album he used to always <laughs> ask to uh, to hear that song and um, I I I always think of the music video which was pretty much just kind of like clips of the band just in the studio or live or whatever, it was kind of like your, your run of the mill makeshift metal video, uh, low, you know, no, your no to no to low budget <laughs> metal video. But, um, this song is just a freaking banger, man. Uh, 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 an absolute staple in their, uh, live set. But, um, another song that like, I think you had mentioned about nightfall, like thinking that you would get sick of it at some point, but I, I, I'm, I'm not sick of it yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and what I what I love about it is not only is it a staple of the live set, it, it's like the closing song, and they always close with this thing, but they play it even faster than on the album, which I always thought was really cool. Like, they speed it up. Um, this is, 
a perfect power metal song. Like if, if when I think power metal, this is up there for what I think power metal is. And it's kind of a simple track. It's not like the most complex arrangement, but it's just so epic and it's so fast during the bridge and the riffs are fantastic. Um, and, and I also love how it has almost like a folkish, like a jovial feel to it in spots. I, I love that. And, and quite frankly, the, the second half of this song, the drums just steal the show, especially the kick drum. It just is so, so well done. It is, um, it is an iconic track for a reason. And I don't know that this album ever gets to this level of, of perfection again. I think that the rest of the album has some really good high spots, but to me, this is the, uh, this is the climax of the album on this track. Yeah, I don't know if I would say that, but um, I, I just I, I the 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 way that they can change the tempo of the song within the song. It's not even like yeah, without it's not just like oh, the last song was you know mid tempo. This one's fat. this is like the tempo changes in the song, and it, they do it in such a smooth way. Um, it's just a real. This is a real. Uh, just a real classic, real power metal classic, and uh, just a great song overall. And and again, just gives me really good uh, late '90s feels. Gives me the uh, the nostalgia. Um, but yeah, good, you know, great stuff. Um, but yeah, my song of the week is still to come. So uh, all right, I, I, I would, I don't, I I agree that um, the album does kind of end a little bit. Um, I, I want to use the right word. Uh, it, it, I just think that so many of the real like heavy hitting songs kind of come in the first three quarters of the album. Um, I agree. And I think that like, they're so good that it, it, it almost has to end a little bit weaker. And, and it does, in my opinion, I, I think as a kid, I used to kind of stop it after about the 60% mark or something like that. Um, and so I know that the first half or the first three quarters of this album better than I do the end. And I think there's a good reason because I kind that kind of stayed with me even, even to this, even, you know, as I listened to it this week, just getting back to the story for a minute, uh, Mira Mira recounts Arturjan, uh, in view of his inevitable defeat, builds the city of Gondolin aided by Omo. And then it goes into this, um, I don't want to say like, uh, almost like a resurgence, but like face the truth is, is almost like, in my opinion, like a sign of hope. And it's, you hear like the birds chirping in the background and it's, and it's where Fing, uh, Fingolfin reflects about the destiny of Naldor, which is ironically the, the name of the next track, Naldor dead winter reigns, um, which is like the next full track proper. And that's where Fingolfin recounts his Naldor's army's passage from the icy waste of hell Carex and the prophecy of Mandos about Noldor's fate. Uh, if this means something to you, stop me. But he reflects on his own and his people's guilt and foreshadows their ultimate defeat. Again, it doesn't mean anything, but for, for completeness sake, talk to me about Noldor and what your thoughts are on this one. Oh, this is another, uh, good, uh, to me, I think this is another really strong track. Again, it kind of starts out like a little bit unassuming and then like it speeds up and then slows down and again it's like this um this real like roller coaster ride of of tempos i think it's overall it's kind of a it's kind of a more emotional song than some of the other uh full-length songs um i really think hansi's 
vocal performance, especially on the chorus, is really strong. I, I just think this is a really cool, a cool tune. Um, I like that not every song needs to be like a a mirror mirror kind of blistering type of song. Like Blind Guardian does a really good job doing songs of all types, and, and this is another one of those. Uh, it's similar to Blood Tears. It's, it's just a little bit slower. Um, but still heavy. Um, I, I, this is another song I like quite a bit, and I feel like it's keeping the uh, the streak of just really good, uh, like of the full length songs so far. They really haven't had a miss yet. I I beg to differ a little bit on this one. I feel like it's a seven minute song that would have been better served at like four and a half minutes, and I feel like there's a little bit too much fluff on this one for me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, like the upbeat sounding guitar solo uh, midway through the song, but there are parts of this that are just a little repetitive to me, and I feel like they could have just cut it down. But I, I might be nitpicking. I don't hate the song. I just don't love it as much as some of the stuff that's preceded it. That's okay. You're you're just wrong. That's all. <laughs> I, I'll take it. Um, Battle of the Sudden Flame is um, just that. It's like another a reference to the battle in which Morgoth breaks the siege of Angabad and uses his Balrogs and dragons. Um, it's a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. To me, it's just most notable is like the little flute interlude thing that they have going on. It's very um, Renaissance fair. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. And then we get to um, time stands still at the Iron Hill. Talk to me about this number because um, this was definitely a favorite of ours when we were younger. Oh yeah, so this is the, this is my song of the week. I, I just uh, it's I, I made a point to <laughs> go back and list this album and and be like, this is not going to be my song of the week. I'm going to pick something else and and try to be you know open minded about the rest of the album. But it's still my favorite song on the album. I, I just uh, man, I'll never forget um, my one of my friends Matt, who I went to college with. I would go through his music library uh via the you know the the campus network and i was looking through his music and i just he just has this one blind guardian song and it's time stands still at the iron hill so i go matt why the hell do you have this one blind guardian so he goes i got it from you i saw a song that was (laughs) that that was like based on lord of the rings and i just grabbed it and i liked it and so whenever i hear it i think of matt but uh that's great this is just another, much like Mirror Mirror. It's just a, um, just a, a real like fast paced ass kicking, just, just like all you know, <laughs> full speed ahead. You know, like all the all the cliches. Um, I just this song still, I think, just it just still resonates with me. I still think it's just such a fantastic tune, and I think I I like it even more than Mirror Mirror and Nightfall, mm. which. You know, I, my, not everyone might agree with, but that's just kind of how I feel. There's something about it. The um, I'm just like listening to it right now, and it just puts a smile on my face. Just the way that um, the bridge before it gets back to the chorus, where you hear like the the folky kind of elements to it, and and with Hansi's vocals. I mean, this this song is just just epic. So uh, yeah, this will be this will be my song of the week. Let's. Uh, Let's give it a listen, and then we'll we'll uh, discuss where the album starts to kind of drop off a little bit. I see 
Without fail, every time I listen to this track, tell me that intro doesn't remind you of Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I, for some reason, I always <laughs> hear like Star Wars at the beginning of that song. I don't know why. Um, you, I love the little guitar noodles that they kind of do throughout this thing. I think they're absolutely awesome. Uh, it gets stuck in your head. And the orchestration really stands out on this track. On an album that's heavy with orchestration, I feel like it really, really stands out and pops on this track. And it has that big, like epic, big sound to it. And it's almost like the it's almost like their way of saying like the the best is behind us because the rest of the album is good as it is, and I enjoy it. Like I can easily listen to the rest of this album. I don't love it as much as, as oh, I'm as waiting I do. for us to get flamed for saying this. Like, but it's not gonna... a perfect album. Like, I know, but so, I feel like someone's gonna come back and be like, you know, Dark Passage is my favorite Blind Guardian song yeah, ever. Well, they, like, they have a right to be wrong too. I mean, don't, I, don't talk shit about Nam the Wise. Like, <laughs> you know, I tried to get an interview with Nam the Wise, but it didn't work out. Um, it, it, I, I'm not saying it's not a great album. It's fantastic, and I think my score will reflect that. But at the same time. I don't know that it's as perfect. I used to think this was like a perfect album, and it's not. It's not. There, there are problems with this, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about it briefly. Um, Time stands still at the Iron Hill is about Fingolfin riding the gates of Angband to challenge Morgoth to a duel. Fingolfin wounds Morgoth seven times, but is eventually killed, and then it goes into the Dark Elf, which is like this short Gregorian chant type interlude. And it refers to Eol, who seduced Turgon's sister and fathered Maeglin, who would eventually betray Gondolin. Um, any other thoughts on the Dark Elf before we get to Thorn? Not really, no. Okay, good, because I don't have anything else either. Uh, Thorn is a song describing Maeglin's captivity and Angbad and Morgoth trying to convert Maeglin to his side with threats and lies. Um, this song starts out with an absolute monster monster riff and then i remembered i don't know this song as well because often i would turn it off after time stands still at the iron hill but i I, obviously it came back to me you know pretty crazy but i want to mention a couple things on this track because it the the song is called thorn and and maybe you're going to think i'm crazy but there are spots in the verses where i actually hear edge of thorns by sabotage i'm not even kidding you and like i don't know if it's aptly named because of it but like i hear sabotage on this and not in the chorus but in 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 the verses and while it's not their best song song i do i do like it um and it's quite frankly better than i remember it i just don't know that it's as good as some of the stuff before it yeah, it's another one of those songs that I just forgot about, and it's um, it's good. It's another, I think, another one of those really cool mid-tempo uh, songs from this album, and uh, it's a good song. I, again, like, I don't know that there are any bad full-length songs on this album. I know I keep saying full-length because I want to 
point out that half of the tracks in this album are not really songs. Um, but um, this is good. I just think maybe they, I mean, granted it's a story, so you can't really, I guess you can't really change the order, but I just feel like they might've been more well-served to have some of those real big banging uh, heavy hitter songs spread out across the album a bit more. But again, because it's a story based album that might just not have been possible, but um, this is a very good song. It's just, um, it just doesn't hold up to this, the, the impossible standard that songs like nightfall and mirror mirror and time stands still, I think have set forth up, up to this point on the album. But um, I, I think it should be at least recognized that it's, it's still a, a very, very good song. I, I think that The Elder, which is the next track, is kind of interesting because I feel like it's this piano-laden, three-and-a-half-minute, somber song that was like very much needed at this point, but at the same time, it's not very memorable. So like, I'm almost not giving it a demerit, even though I don't think the track is particularly great, just because it almost serves like a full-length transitional track. Um, the, what shines out to me here are the keyboards and the vocals. I think that that is uh, very, very no, uh, prominent, and, and quite frankly, it's that combination which makes this a memorable, you know, uh, one of the uh, listenable track. Even though I don't think it's that great, but ironically, I, ha- I hear a bit of sabotage on this track as well. It's kind of two in a row where I hear sabotage, which you wouldn't expect from Blind Guardian, but I think that the keyboards really, you know, kind of shine on this. Yeah, um, I, I think this is a uh, just a standout track for Hanzi's vocals because you really just get to hear his vocals without all the guitars and the drums kind of uh, not drowning him out, so to speak, but more like just sharing the the stage, I guess you could say. And in this case, it's just Hanzi and a piano, and so you could really and he really goes for it here. Um, not a long track, doesn't really have much substance, but it is a, a, an impressive vocal performance. And like you said, I think that it, um, I think it was a, a needed kind of slowdown a little bit because like everything up to this point has been like heavy mid tempo or heavy fast tempo songs. And so this kind of, uh, adds a little bit more, um, of something that's, you know, a little bit more pensive, a little bit more contemplative, a little more. Uh, you know, soft, and I think it works. It's not, uh, it doesn't feel like it's one of those like power ballads that a band threw on an album just, just to have a power ballad and it, it doesn't fit, you know, at all. Um, no, I, I agree with that. Why, why don't you read a, read a, what this is about before we go into Gnome? Um, the elder is Elven King Finrod Feligan's farewell to his people. Dying for moons sustained by saving his human friend Baron from a werewolf, thereby fulfilling his oath to the house of Beor. And and I get what that's like when you're attacked by a werewolf and and contract lupine flu. <laughs> that's um, why I wanted you to read it. Um, but, well, this I mean it's like it's like reading about my last you know couple of weeks here on this earth. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, that, that then we go into uh, Nam the Wise. Um, which was a nickname that I was given as a freshman in college because I would show up at uh, random uh, houses and would just uh, eat people's food and, and uh, tell them <laughs> stories. So they called me Nam the Wise. Uh, I, I, I may have made that up. but uh, Or might not have. Is, 
Yeah, or may not. You, you, you had to be there, I guess. Um, this is another uh, segue tune in which um, Baron mourns his friend Finrod. And um, Nam means wise and was the name given to Finrod by Baron's forefather, Beor. Um, so again, it's another... Um, you know, another kind of, uh, you know, interlude kind of segue type track that, that goes into another longer uh, tune in, in When Sorrow Sang. And this was a maybe the second biggest surprise for me. This song is heavy. This song is fast. And this song is very reminiscent of their older material. And quite frankly, if you like those first couple of Blind Guardian albums, you will love, love, love this track. The guitars are absolutely fantastic. The chorus is enjoyable. Not the best, but enjoyable. And the again, the instrumental section, very, very thrashy. I actually like this song a lot, and I had completely, completely, completely forgotten about it. And, and in terms of the story, it's where Baron sings about his love to the elven princess Luthien and his death at the teeth of Morgoth's wolf, Kakaroth. Um, so r- really good song and, and probably my favorite on the back end of the disc. Yeah, it, it kind of has a similar gait to Mirror Mirror, I would say. A uh, similar kind of uh, tempo. And um, it, it's, I don't know, probably similarly constructed as well. I, I don't think it's as good of a song, but it is still a pretty solid song. And again, it's another tune that I kind of forgot about. And when I saw it on the track list, I kind of assumed it was going to be like a ballad based on the title. Um, cause it sounds kind of like it would be sorrowful, but, uh, it actually, um, musically is actually pretty, uh, pretty aggressive. Um, so yeah, uh, another kind of song I, like you said, I kind of, uh, forgot about. Um, and then we kind of move on to like two, two of these shorter tracks in a row before moving on to the, um, the last real full length. Uh, full-length track on the album. So uh, talk a little bit about um, Out on the Water and The Steadfast. So Out on the Water is like this really acoustic guitar interlude, I guess, if you want to call it that. It refers to the last dwelling place of Baron and Luthien. And then The Steadfast is, you know, essentially a song where Morgoth curses his captive Hurin, who refuses to reveal the secret of Gondolin. And you can just hear the anger uh, from the... um, person that kind of does the spoken word track on this part and then a dark passage is like the last uh, you know as you mentioned the kind of like the last proper track on the album it's where morgoth ponders his triumph in the fifth battle um i don't love the way this track ends it's very very orchestration heavy which is quite good and the riffing is very very good as well what is interesting (laughs) You're going to think I'm crazy. This is a kind of a progressive song in many ways, and it's a bit scattered, and I just don't think it's as tight as some of the stuff before it. But hear me out. If you close your eyes and you listen to this track, I always think of something, and it's not Star Wars. It's actually something else. But do you know that part in The Wizard of Oz where they all dress up in the guards' costumes to rescue Dorothy, and like they're about to storm the witch's castle? 
the song itself reminds me of that. I don't know why, but I always picture them like dressed up as like the fake guards storming the castle. Again, maybe I didn't take the medication this morning. I'll admit it's a little <laughs> crazy. I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there, but there's something about this that always reminds me of the Wizard of Oz for no apparent reason at all, because there's nothing about that on this track. So go ahead and top that, my friend. I, I give you the floor. Uh. The the brain works the way the brain works. I mean, the you the know. brain may be broken, but again, I, I digress. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know that I have any um, you know cute anecdotes to match that one, but um, it's uh, it's a solid song. It's it's arguably my least favorite of all the full songs on the album, though, which is kind of a bummer that it happens to be the the last full length uh, song. But um, I. I I don't know if they were going for kind of a because it, it almost feels like they wanted it to be this big epic track, but they had to kind of cram it into a a shorter, you know, what it, it's about a six minute song. Um, so you know, it's fine. Um, it's not a bad song. Like I said, there are no bad songs on the album. I just think that uh, it's probably my least favorite of the the songs. Um, and then it kind of goes out with final chapter thus ends, which is kind of a a bit of an anticlimactic way to end it, I guess, just because it's, you know, it ends the story, it concludes the album, and it talks about Morgoth's victory by the treachery of man, but also of the hope for a new day. Um, not, not a terrible way to go out. I just think that final uh, that a dark passage of the song itself is just probably not my favorite, so it ends with a little bit of a whimper. But all in all, uh, I, you know, I... A fantastic, fantastic album, I think, that everyone would agree. Um, and I think that if you polled Blind Guardian fans, I think a number of them would have this as their favorite, but by no means is it like universally like their best. Uh, yeah, I would say I would tend to agree. It might, I don't know. I was trying to think if I would say this is my favorite Blind Guardian album, um, but uh, it's, it's, it's up there. I'll say that. Um, interesting note the cover art is uh is is Luthien dancing before Morgoth which comes from the tale of Baron and Luthien so even the cover art is um you know part of the story which I, which I appreciate um I will uh I I will say I will quote um some of the 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 um the positive uh, reviews that this album has gotten, um, Metal Hammer has named it um, in its 10 essential symphonic metal albums list and its 10 essential power metal albums list. Um, so I think, you know, that's high, high, high praise and I'm sure it's in high company. Um, interesting quote, uh, a Tolkien scholar, Bradford Lee Eden um we're, we're going to talk about, we're going to go from the scholars in Italy talking about Manowar <laughs> to the Tolkien scholar. Uh, he says that although one can assume that Tolkien was not a headbanger, he finds that in the opinion of his students, the driving energy of the power metal sound is appropriate for the stories. The music conveys rage and despair, which fits lyrics such as the doom of the Noldor drew near the words of a banished King. I swear revenge. And, uh, he adds that this facilitates discussion uh, of Tolkien's Christian view of the fall of man. So um, two albums in a row we've talked about that actually have had like some uh, scholarly uh, studies done. Um, 
which I find very interesting. I, I can think promise really you cool. that will not be the case next week. But, but before we get there, yeah, you never know. That that kind of puts a nice bow on the episode. What are your thoughts? Like scale of one to ten, what's your score? And more importantly, is it as high or low as it might have been, say, ten years ago or twenty years ago? It's probably higher than hmm. it would have been back then because I think that I, through having a shorter attention span, was really only going back to like three or four songs and not listening to the the whole album and and getting to appreciate songs like The Curse of Feanor and and uh and Thorn. Um so I I would give this album Oh, Siri's getting involved again. Hmm. Um I would probably I would give this an eight point seven five. I think that's where my head is at on this one. Um it's just uh it's really good. I, I find that the the filler tracks, uh, nah, filler is the wrong word, but just the, the segues, even though that they're there to, to serve a purpose uh, as far as the story goes, um, I just feel like they kind of break up some of the momentum of the album. And, and then just the fact that it kind of ends in a, uh, you know, I would say that the last two full-length songs are arguably my two least favorite songs on the album. So it kind of ends in a, a little less, you know, less exciting fashion than the way that it starts. It starts out so strong with Into the Storm and Nightfall and Curse of Feanor and Mirror, Mirror, Blood Tears, all these really great tunes. Um, so, but, but I mean, it really is uh, still a very, an album worth uh, high praise. I just don't, it just comes a shade low of, of a nine for me. So I, um, yeah. I'm in complete agree. I'm in in complete agreement with you. It's an 8.75 for me as well. I think there was probably a time where this was definitely in the nines. I don't know exactly where, but I don't. It it didn't quite reach nine level for me, which is rarefied air. But it's damn close. It's very good, and the high points are extremely high, and the low points are still good. It's just they're not as high as the high points, right? So it's I can't give it a nine, but it's it's about as close as you're going to get without it actually being in that rarefied air. A fantastic listen. I'm glad we had a chance to go over it. I knew I knew this would be an album that we covered. I just wasn't sure when, so I'm glad that we did. Um, and before I talk about next week's album, which I, in, in full candor, normally we're surprised by these things, but I did tell you this one in advance to give you a couple days preparation as we were recording this one a touch late. Well, before, I, before, you, before you get there, I just yeah. want to say, in case you were wondering, we, gave, we both gave imaginations from the other side the same score as well we gave that a 9.0 but we uh we agreed on uh, both of our blind guardian albums so that's interesting so we both agree that imaginations kind of eclipses this but not but it's close yeah not by very much nice very 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 interesting um i want to go over just a couple of uh some news items because there's there's been a lot but we'll just to name a few uh i know i'm looking forward to the halo effect at prog power they announced their first U.S. tour. They're doing a run of about eight or nine shows, uh, mostly in the Northeast and, and, and Canada, but uh, a couple of shows in the Midwest as well. They are playing, ironically enough, the day after Halloween in New York City, but I don't think I'm going to hit that just because I know I'm seeing them in Atlanta, but they should put on a good show. They are the consummate pros, so that is something to be uh, mindful of. Additionally, Between the Buried and Me announced a kind of a really interesting tour lineup they're going to be playing um all of their parallel or parallelix 2 album which i believe was their last album but they're going on tour with two bands that i would have never guessed um that they would bring out because they're on opposite ends 
of the spectrum. And that's Thank You Scientist and Rivers of Nihil, which is just a really, really interesting tour lineup to me. They're going out um, June 16th in Charleston, South Carolina, and ending it at the very end of July in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I think they're doing a run of like well over 30 shows. So good for them. I think that'll be an interesting lineup. I just can't even imagine all three of them on the same bill because they're so different from one another in many ways. Um, I actually got a text from Knops today uh, telling me about that tour and how he um, is hoping to uh, to hit that up because it was funny. Just the other day, he had mentioned to me that he was he was uh, wishing that between the buried and me were playing with Haken because I believe they were touring mm. together in Europe. That's cool. Um, so uh, it looks like he'll get his chance to see both bands just uh, separately. Different times. Yeah. And then lastly, something you brought to my attention, but I think it's definitely worth noting. Um, as as time has gone on, I've really become a big fan of Marcella Bobbio's vocals. And she was announced that not only is Stream of Passion doing a pair of reunion shows in September in the Netherlands, but they are coming out with a new uh, some new music, which I'm very, very excited about. Yes, I um, I actually uh, threw uh, some money towards their Kickstarter. Um, I think they already met their goals, but I just wanted to make sure that I had, um, you know, pre-ordered the album because I'm sure I'll end up forgetting about it by the time that it comes out. So uh, um, that's exciting news because I really kind of, I don't know why I convinced myself that these bands are just going to disappear. Um but, uh, you know, I guess the, uh, the creative itch comes back and needs to be scratched and we're, and we're all, we're, we're all here for it. And I've, we've got 10 fingers to scratch. Um, that being said, an album that somebody had guessed, ironically enough, was an album that I had already chosen for next week. And I told you about this off air to give you a head start, as I mentioned. Um, but we are going back to a band that I saw live about three weeks ago, albeit, a very, very different incarnation, and that is Vicious Rumors, and we are going to cover Welcome to the Ball from 1991. I cannot believe that this album is 32 years old, but alas, it is. And I and I say that just because I remembered vividly how I came to know this band and how um, this album got on my radar, but I will save that for next week, and I uh, hope you hope you enjoy that listen, because um, we'll be talking about that and, and, and bring that to you next Monday. Yeah, this is a band I really just don't know much of anything about, uh, other than maybe like a, a handful of songs over the years that you've put on your playlists. Um, so uh, I, I, I have already begun to listen to them, and it's definitely something that uh, I could say is, is uh, enjoyable to me. It's just a matter of how enjoyable, and we'll uh, we'll get into that when the when the time comes. But um, uh, yeah, looking forward to that, and, and again, it's always good to uh, add something new to the to the uh, the old pile of uh, metal knowledge. So that's uh, that's why we're here. If you uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a like and a follow. Give us a five star review uh, on your uh, you know your podcast uh, app or whatever. It does help other people find the show, so we appreciate it. And um, that being said, uh, I think we will break some new news regarding a soon-to-be Patreon account that will be starting uh, in the not-so-distant future. So we will circle back with that. And in the meantime, uh, sorry that we were a couple of days late. I'm glad that you are feeling well, my friend. And we will come back with some vicious rumors next week. Yeah. Well, just a small spoiler. Um, one of the 
one of the the high tier uh, Patreon things that we're going to be offering is just a podcast of us mispronouncing uh, Lord <laughs> of the Rings terminology and names. So um, just a little something to look forward to. Um, I, I know that uh, I know that, that that's probably going to cause a lot of people to want to uh, sign up for the highest possible tier. Because if that doesn't provide you hours of entertainment, I'm not sure uh, what will. But uh, I digress. Enjoy the week, my friend. I look forward to catching up with you soon, and we'll talk some vicious rumors. Uh, Be well, my friend, and continue to feel better. I appreciate it. Have a good one, buddy.